I have a provocative title for this podcast, and before you kick me to the curb, I want you to give me at least uh, seven minutes to listen to what I have to say, and then if you're not with me at that point, well, then you can kick me to the curb and go on to something else. The title of the podcast is God and the Bible Are Not All You Need to Change. The Lord and the Bible will not work well for you if those two wonderful things are all you have. There seems to be a consensus of affirmation among many Christians who believe the Lord and His Word are all you need. The Bible will not support this narrow claim on how sanctification happens If you want to read this podcast, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website. There's a 2,000-word-plus article waiting on you. It is titled the same as the podcast, God in the Bible are not all you need to change well. I want to talk about sanctification in this podcast, and this is something that we all need to hear. And I want to give you a case study of someone who has isolated themselves off uh, from the community of from the body of Christ, the community of Christ, and how that has uh, become devastating to her soul. My name is Rick Thomas. You are listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. If you want to talk to me about this or anything else for that matter, uh, please let me know. We have a free community forum that is accessible to you. And so you jump on it, get your username and password, log in, and you can ask me any question pertaining to life and godliness about this idea of how sanctification happens, or perhaps you have something else on your mind. We have a page on our website called What People Are Saying, and it is really a collection of people who have been encouraged by this ministry, and one of the reasons, well, the primary reason that I built this page is because I get asked the question so often, can you explain to me what your ministry is about? And it just seemed like it was better to have other people explain uh, what our ministry is about as they have benefited from it. So Cynthia wrote in, and she said, quote, I was asked to do a talk this past weekend for our church ladies' fall retreat. It gave me great pleasure to include a quote by you and encourage our ladies to take advantage of your solidly biblical teachings. You have been such an incredible blessing to me over the years. I thank God for you and how he is using you to minister to the church. And that was Cynthia. A couple of things about this. One is you're welcome to use our resources in your ministry You can use our articles, for example, as homework assignments to give people so that you can extend the counseling session outside of the office after they leave you. You can give them an article and they can read it and work it out uh, on their own time. And that will be basically an extension of the counseling time that you have with people. And so our resources do make fantastic homework assignments. Or you can do what Cynthia did here. You can quote us or use one of the articles. People do that as well. They use the entire article for teaching or they use it in small group. One pastor, one time, printed off an article and gave it to every member of his church on Sunday morning. And so my point here is that you can use it. The second thing that I want to 
say about this is that if you have been encouraged, I would love for you to go and write a review anywhere. Just just write a review. Put it anywhere. Uh, but you can put it on uh, our books uh, on Amazon. Write a review there. That would be good. Write a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Write a review there. Uh, send a review of sorts to your pastor and say, hey, you need to have this guy come speak uh, at your, at our church. And you can also send one in and say, hey, would you put this uh, in your What People Are Saying page? Because, you know, I want to be an encouragement as well as your ministry has encouraged it to me. And so you can write and send it in as well. But write a review wherever you can write one because it does help to spread our content. I want to get back to this article i got a few minutes left before you kick me to the curb. The title of the article, God and the Bible are not all you need to change well. So I want to tell you a story. The story is, well, you know, it's Biff and Mabel. Always having problems, the wild adventures of Biff and Mabel. Mabel just celebrated her seventh anniversary with her husband, Biff. Her celebration was by herself, which was her choice. She, like the rest of us, went into marriage with certain expectations. She, like the rest of us, was not prepared to live with an imperfect person. The way we talk about it within our family, our children, is, as I talk to them about marriage, which we do quite often as they are now in their teenage years and we're training them to be adults, and we talk about how you put two sinners in a box. And the box is your home, your condo, your trailer, mobile home, your apartment, wherever you may live. But you put two sinners in a box for an extended period of time. And, and that's when the real challenge happens because there is no escape. And so Mabel, like the rest of us, was not prepared to live with another sinner in a box forever. Somehow she had convinced herself that a relationship with her husband would be different from the relationship she had with her father. Maybe it was too many chick flicks. Perhaps it was those fairy tales she loved as a little girl. Maybe it was her teen, teen friends who over-idolized drop-dead gorgeous boys. I suppose it doesn't matter why she set herself up for this major frustration but today she has relegated her husband to the heap of disappointing men in her life. When I asked her why she was staying in the marriage, she said it was well, the Christian thing to do. At 28 years old, she was facing a life sentence. She was living with a man that she was falling out of love with by the minute, and she was not going to void her commitment to God. Stuck in a bad marriage. She had to figure out how to endure to the end when death would mercifully remove her from her miserable marriage. Now, her strategy meant building a wall between herself and Biff, which meant going minimalistic. She would live with him. She would cook his meals, have business-like conversations, and occasionally perform duty sex. As she peered into her future, her heart despaired, she did not know what else to do. Her parents reared her in a superficial religious culture, so to reach out in a spirit of transparency and vulnerability and dependency, well, that was out of the question. 
Even the few times she did reach out, her cries for help received the standard cliches, pray harder, read your Bible more. Pray harder is kind of a odd expression. I think it's I think what you're supposed to do when you're praying harder is you're contorting your face. If your face is contorted, you're probably are praying harder and so they hit her up with those cliches on the surface. God, prayer and the Bible seem like a good plan, but they were not working. And they will not work. Yes, I did say the Lord and the Bible will not work. Unless you're talking about salvation. If you mean how regeneration happens, we all know it's God and his word that brings the sad soul into the family. But sanctification is another matter. Is why I titled this podcast, God and the Bible are not all you need to change well. Let me refer you to a couple of verses. One is in Acts 8. It says like this, Philip is talking to the Ethiopian. He says, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? He was reading the Word of God. He had the Bible open, sitting in his lap, and it was open to Isaiah 53, but he did not understand the Bible alone. He needed Philip to help him to understand the Bible. The other passage of Scripture is Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. The Hebrew writer said, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is true that God saves alone, and so let's praise him for the five solas. But we are, but as we are extolling the goodness of Christ alone through grace alone, let us not stretch the alone part of this formula over other parts of the Bible where it does not apply. Salvation may be God alone. But sanctification was never meant to be a solo journey. You can do many things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of them. The intrinsic nature of discipleship discredits this notion of a solo journey. It reminds me of what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.2. He said, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy needs Paul like the eye needs the hand. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There is a rugged spirit of individualism that has crept into our Christian churches. It may be more accurate to say there is a fearful spirit of individualism within our churches because the problem is not so much about being rugged as it is about being afraid. 
Mabel is a case in point. Now, while it sounds spiritual to say, I cast my cares on the Lord, and I'm in the Word daily. Now, those are good things, by the way. But there is something about this kind of talk that doesn't ring true in every context. When it comes to sanctification, this type of discussion needs a critical adjustment. There is no question that Mabel needs to be talking to God while allowing God to speak to her through his word. And so for those of you who will be tempted to write me and about the title of this podcast, please let me know, uh, let me let you know that I affirm this notion of God working in your life in a fantastic way and the need of the Word of God and that I have a high view of God's Word and it is critical in our lives. But she needs to pursue God with passion and consistency, but she must do more than this if she wants help. She must seek a community too. Not to pursue a community is to be out of step with God, who was the first community, Father, Son, Spirit. Man made in the image of God means, in part, that the Lord has wired us to benefit from a community. You or I may have come to Christ alone, by grace alone, but he immersed us in a body. We need each other. Colossians 2.19 teaches this. Paul wrote, he says, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. This worldview is more than a doctrinal point. Our sanctification depends on the interlocking and interpersonal relationship of Christians helping Christians. We live in a reciprocal, giving and receiving construct with Christ and with each other. Now, in the case of Mabel, she needs to receive the care of the body of Christ. She needs community, building walls to protect herself from hurt It sounds reasonable, but there are unintended consequences to self-reliant protective care. It is dangerous to shut yourself off from the nurturing life source of those who are equipped to help you. Now, what I want to do here is I want to list three of these unintended consequences that Mabel needs to take to heart if she wants to experience rescuing from her self-erected prison that she has erected around herself to keep herself from Biff as she goes minimalistic in their marriage. But because she is is doing this, there is a side effect. There is cause and effect. And I want to talk about the unintended consequences of what she's doing. Those three things are, one, self-centeredness, two, self-deception, three, self-suspicion. Let's take self-centeredness. Unintended consequence number one, 
letting Mabel know how her wall-building approach to sanctification is self-centered, well, that will probably be the hardest thing for her to hear. The Lord does not waste pain. There is always purpose in the scripts that he writes into our lives. We are called to steward the gift of suffering. The Lord did not crush his son, hoping nobody would experience blessing by his agony. Of course not. He crushed his son so others could experience redemption. We also see this idea observed through the lives of some of his choicest servants like Joseph and Moses and Job. Pain and suffering throughout the Old Testament served as vehicles to propel God's people into the higher purposes of gospel advancement. You could think of pain and suffering like an automobile that takes you from point A to point B. The Lord uses pain and suffering like a vehicle, and it does take you to the higher purposes of gospel advancement. Suffering was never meant to be walled up and kept secret. By doing so, it would well, it would be impossible to bring God's purposes to pass. If you are suffering and you choose to suffering in your marriage in this case, which is what Mabel is doing, and you choose to erect a wall around yourself and go minimalistic while shutting yourself off from the community of faith, well, there is no way that you can bring God's purposes to pass. This theology of suffering is born out of the gospel. By barricading herself behind high walls is disallowing the body of Christ to do some of his best work. We are called to weep with those who weep. For example, that's Romans 12, 15. In Hebrews 13, 3, we see this idea of entering into the pain of the imprisoned. But if you build a wall around yourself and you don't immerse yourself in community, you are keeping You are disallowing, was the word that I used, the body of Christ to do some of his best work. And Mabel is cutting herself off from the empowering grace of God that could come through those who can care for her. Paul's expectation was for the body of Christ to mobilize itself, to help each other. Like when you cut your hand or cut your leg or bruise your knee, your whole body mobilizes on that pain. Paul communicated this idea in Romans 15, 14, when he said this, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are one, full of goodness, two, filled with all knowledge, and three, able to instruct one another. And so one of the unintended consequences of building a wall around herself is self-centeredness. Again, one of the harder things for her to hear. A second unintended consequence for what Mabel is doing is self-deception. Mabel cannot bring herself to reach beyond the walls she has erected. She's afraid. And that makes sense. Though it is not what she should be doing. Even though it makes sense in the moment, she shouldn't do this. Someone needs to envision her with another plan. Fearful people tend to default to self-reliant means to find protection. Rather than trusting the Lord, she's reaching down into her strengths 
down into her abilities to protect herself from being hurt. And what she has yet to perceive is how her method for sanctification, which is really not a method at all, is going to damage her. The more she walls herself up while presenting herself superficially to her world as okay or as stable, the more bitter, the more critical, the more cynical she will become. Because as she lives behind this invisible wall that nobody will perceive she's pretending to be something else on the outside of that wall, it's a dichotomy. She's setting herself up to be two people, the hidden person behind the wall and the external person that she presents to her public. That is what I mean by self-deception. In time, if she continues this, There will be a constellation of sins multiplying themselves within her prison, like bitterness, criticalness, and cynicism are only three of the enemies that will eat away at her soul, but there will be more regret, unforgiveness, discouragement, widespread fear. Obsessive behaviors and anger will become her shadowy companions. Sanctification will not happen the way it needs to happen for her. She may enroll in numerous Bible studies and may even seek to serve her local church, but all she will be doing is hiding in plain sight. While she may appear to be on the inside, inside the church, inside the community, she will indeed be out. She will seem to be engaged, but she will be hiding behind a mask. She will appear to be open and honest, but all that people will see is her representative, the person she puts forth to divert attention from the person she is hiding, self-deception. She knows she cannot run, which is why she hides within her community in time She will even come to believe her representative, that hypocritical person that she puts forth in the public space, and the dulling of her conscience will blind her to where she has successfully exchanged the truth of God for a lie. If she continues to live in this self-erected prison, there will be unintended consequences. The first one I talked about was self-centeredness. This second one here is self-deception. And then the third one is self-suspicion. Mabel needs a healthy dose of self-suspicion. All of us look through dirty lenses. This all we can do is we see life. It's like looking through a dirty plate glass window. None of us see clearly. A right understanding of the noetic effects of sin coupled with the doctrine of sanctification, it should make all of us suspicious of ourselves. The noetic effect of sin is talking about how sin affects our mind. And if we rightly understand how our minds have been affected by sin, it should humble us rather than encourage us. It should lower our high view of ourselves while making us suspicious of our conclusions while seeking God his word, and his people to bring clarity to our thinking. Being self-suspicious is not a bad idea. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, where there is no guidance, a people falls 
but in the abundance of counselors there is safety. The Lord has been merciful to place people in our lives to help weigh our thoughts, give alternate assessments, and to reevaluate our interpretations. The body of Christ is a deep and wide resource that we should not wall out of our lives. Mabel needs to come to a humble place where she is willing to reach out to the mature and wise Christians in her community, those who are capable of walking her through the internal struggles of her soul. She is carrying more weight than she can manage. She needs God. She needs God's word. She needs God's people. Mabel will have to decide as to whether she's going to avail herself to all of the means of grace that God has provided for her. She cannot continue to complain about her problems while justifying herself with diversionary methods. A loving friend needs to confront her about this deception. If she genuinely believes a wall is the best right answer for her problems, she will live in deception. The unintended consequences of building a wall and living in isolation in plain sight. Self-centeredness is one. Self-deception is two. And the need for a healthy dose of self-suspicion is three. Someone needs to penetrate Mabel's wall of deception. The body of Christ can help her. There has never been a time in church history where so much help was available from the body of Christ. And here it comes. Somebody says, but you don't understand. Typically when I bring up the community of faith as a means of grace to help us through our problems, someone nearly always reminds me how their church is not able or willing to give them the help they desire. I am not going to argue that point because there's a strong possibility these hurt Christians are correct. I hear this as much as I hear anything else. Of all the negative things that I hear, this is probably, well, this is near the top of the list. It is not lost on me why this ministry exists that we have here. I've never seen myself as a replacement for the church, but I do realize that this ministry is a help for the church. Many people come to our website and subscribe for a membership because they won't help. Sadly, they could not find the support in their churches. I am not ignoring the problem of community dysfunction within the body of Christ. I have not buried my head in the sand, and I will not say that that problem is not real because I know better than that. It is quite real. The problem is real, but it does not mean that you cannot receive help, and that's the point that you need to hear above all the others. If you are hurting, if you are struggling, if you're in a church environment that for whatever reason is not helpful to you, then I appeal to you to become part of our community. It doesn't have to cost you anything, but you do come to us, get your username, password, and you have somebody that you can talk to. You can receive help from us. Let us partner with you. Let us partner with you, the Lord, and your Bible. Let us serve you. 
my appeal is not to promise to change your circumstance. Can't do that. And I realize some people come to our ministry and that that is the only thing that's going to satisfy them is that their marriage changes, their child changes, the parent changes, the spouse changes, there's whatever it is, the situation changes. Well, we can't make that promise. That would be arrogant. But we do make a promise to be your friend. We do make a promise to help you to stabilize yourself in the Lord. God never intended for us to find help outside of a community. Be like the Father, Son, and Spirit, a community. Find a competent and compassionate community of disciple-makers who are willing to care for your soul. And if you can't find one, you're more than welcome to be part of our community. We will not turn you away by the grace of God. The title of this podcast is, God and the Bible are not all you need to change. You need a community too. You're welcome to read this article if you want to. It's that title. You can find it on our website at rickthomas.net. I have three other articles embedded here and also have a link to my two books. One, Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. And the second one is Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. I would recommend that you get one of them, whichever one that you you want. Eventually, I would recommend you get both and read them both. Read them slowly. Several people have read them multiple times. They're that good, and they will help you. But let us know how we can serve you. Come to our ministry. Talk to us. We're here. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.